Well, that was Daniel, um, one of my sixth grade boys in my sixth grade small group, and I lost a bet this week. <laughs> and the bet was that he would have to introduce me on Sunday morning. So thank you, Daniel, for that rousing introduction. It'll probably never happen like that again. So um, I've been at this church now 11 years, and for most of my time here at this church, I've been doing student ministry. And um, I can't tell you the kind of blessing that it's been to be involved at Mount Horeb during these years to see what God has done within the life of the student ministry. Um, I know I've said it multiple times this morning, but we have some gifted, talented students here at this church. Would you agree? I mean, every, every single week I'm really blown away by what God is doing within the life of the student ministry. And the kind of students that are coming out of, of this place is, is truly amazing. Not only the students who are here this morning who are in high school or who are in middle school, but many students who are here this morning who have graduated from our program. And um, who are students who really love Jesus. And who have really flipped the lens in their life to experience gratitude and experience joy in a way that only God could do. And for that, I'm really, really, really grateful. And before we get into the things this morning, if you're a parent in this room or you are someone who's volunteered in student ministry in any kind of way, I just want to thank you for your involvement, for coming alongside of us as a student ministry, and also for coming to serve students. So would you just join me in thanking anyone who's been involved in any kind of way? Thank you. I'm really, really grateful, and I believe that, um, that our church is blessed for it. You know, I've been to many churches, and most of the time when I hear churches talk about students, the things they say are things like, wow, we've got great students. They're a great future for our church. They're going to be a great future to our church. And the truth is, these students are not the future of our church. These students are our church. And um, to be able to work at a church in a place that understands that is a huge blessing. And so as you serve in this church, as you love this church, as you live in this community, these students are doing it right alongside of you. And you should be proud of that. And if you come on a Wednesday night to come to one of your small group classes down the hallway, if you've ever walked by the student room on a Wednesday night, chances are you've probably walked faster to get to where you're going. Um, but I want you to know there are some great things that are happening in that room on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights in the life of our students. During the 8 o'clock service, I got a chance to sit with the 8 o'clock folks, and I said to them, where you're sitting right now, in this room right now, this is holy ground. Because God does great work every single week in the lives of students. And so you're part of that. And I want you to know that. I want to thank you for your involvement in all that you do. I think a lot of times um, those who work in student ministry get the, the applause and the thanks. But truth be told, it's the people of this church and it's the families in this church who make, make all the difference. So thank you. You know, for the past few weeks, we've been looking in the series called Flip the Lens. We've been discovering how, how we can experience joy in our life right here and right now. Right in the midst of what's going on. And we've learned in the first week that, um, that we can find joy because our, our joy in life is directly correlated to the way that we see the world. And for many of us, we're looking at the world through a lens that's not helpful to us. And in fact, a lot of times it's harmful to us. But we said week one, if we can flip the lens on our life and see life through a lens of gratitude, being grateful for what we have, not grumbling about what we don't have, then we can experience joy right here in the midst of what's going on. And week two, we talked about loss. Many of us in the room, probably everyone in the room, has experienced some kind of loss at some point in time in your life. And truth be told, according to Scripture, we can find joy even in the midst of that if we can flip the lens on that loss. And when it comes to difficulty, which we've all experienced at some time or another, if we can flip the lens on difficulty, we can see, too, that God is working in our life right in the midst of the difficulty. And we can experience joy right here and right now. So for the past few weeks, we have challenged our congregation to uh, engage on social media with what we're talking about here with the hashtag recognize the gift. So if you're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be, um, hopefully you've had a chance to do this. We've seen great response from this church as people have been sharing their story and what they've experienced. 
I want to show you a few pictures uh, from this past week. This is the first picture. Actually, one of our students who's in the room who's, sing, who's singing this morning, uh, just sharing what it's like with her friendship and the people that are in her life, and she's recognizing it as a gift that's been given to her. The next picture, Taylor, those are some cute kids right there. She says, this church, Sundays are the best. Whoop. Hashtag recognize the gift. Last one. This is a student who's graduated from our program and just sharing about his relationship with his friends and people that he's around, studying God's word together. This is, this is a chance to flip the lens on life and recognize all of this as a gift. And hopefully in your life, too, over the past few weeks, you've had a chance to flip the lens on all that you're experiencing, all that you're going through, and be able to discover joy right now in the midst of whatever you're going through. It's been amazing, and this day has been an awesome day for Student Weekend. I look forward to this every single year, to be able to bring students in front of the congregation in this venue and also the venue across the way right now. And um, we have some amazing, amazing kids who are flipping the lens on their life, who are experiencing purpose and joy in their life right now. You know, over the past few weeks in the midst of this series, I've been finding joy in the midst of the mundane things in my life. I've been reminded to flip the lens on all that I experience, and so every diaper change, I can't say that I've enjoyed it, but I've flipped the lens on it. I've seen this as a gift. You know, every time I mow the yard or clean the house or um, every time that I go to work, this is a gift that's been given to us. And if we have eyes to see it, we can see it in a new kind of way today. So I would like us to do this morning is to take a moment to be present with one another here, right now, to be intentionally here. No matter what you've gone through, maybe you've carried in some heavy burden, maybe you've had certain things on your mind, or maybe you're thinking about mows already for lunch. I would invite you for the next 60 seconds to just be present here as we sit in silence and in one minute together. Would you um, sit with me as we experience this minute together? I know many in the room are thinking, I am so glad that's over. And students have never heard you be quiet for that long. That is excellent. That was one minute of our lives that we shared together. One minute, 60 seconds, that we just sat in silence with one another. You know, in that past minute, just a minute, there were 700,000 logins on Facebook. 700,000. 116 people got married. Five million pounds of trash was created. 250 babies were born. Oprah made 600 bucks. (laughs) Americans ate 21,000 pieces of pizza. Your heart beat seven liters of blood in your body. And you probably blinked on average 20 times over the past minute. To us, when we talk about a minute, we talk about 60 seconds, it seems like such a short time to us. Until you're sitting there in silence and it feels like forever. 
But the truth is, so much can happen within just 60 seconds of our life, within just a minute of our life. But how many of us, we're living our life just to get through the moments, whatever it might be. Maybe it's uncomfortable and it's a struggle, and so you're just living to get past it for this next thing. But all the while, we're missing out on the moments that exist right here and right now, the 60 seconds that's been given to us, the minute that's been given to us. We must see every minute as a gift. This is how we flip the lens on our life. We see every moment, every second, every minute as a gift that has been given to us from God. And the trap that we fall into too often is just trying to make it to the next thing. After being in student ministry for many, many years, in student ministry you live basically event to event to event. And in the end I don't really like it because eventually I find myself going from event to event and to event and, and I miss out on the moment to moment to moment. If you had children in the room, you know what this is like. You get so busy with kids because there's always something next. So first is kindergarten, after that then it's going to be upward basketball, then t-ball, and you name it. And we, we live our lives in these big chunks of time instead of realizing that every minute and every second to us is a gift. And we can see it as a gift and we can enjoy it as it comes to really live it to its full potential the way God has intended for us. But too often this is not the way we live. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul speaks about the kind of mindset and the kind of lens and the kind of view that we should have when we encounter our world, when we encounter our life. It's the kind of viewpoint and the kind of mindset that he has as he goes through his life. He introduces it in Philippians chapter 3, and I believe this is the very thing that could flip the lens on the way we experience everything within our life, that could truly help us to find joy in the midst of whatever we're going through right here and right now, not some other place, but right here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14 says this, not that I have already obtained all this, he says, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, here's the chief lens you should look at your life through. And he makes it very clear in verse 13. The chief lens that he looks through is the fact that he has been taken a hold of by Jesus Christ. That he right now is surrendered under the reign and rule of God. And that transforms the way he sees everything. But the thing is, he says, listen, something has happened in my life through this surrender, but I'm not finished yet. Something is going on in my life, but I'm not finished yet. I'm, I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm going to press on toward the next thing, but I've not yet arrived. There's a goal I'm still striving for. Has anyone ever remodeled a house? And you started and you thought, what in the world am I doing? And I've experienced this. Four years ago, my wife and I bought a house and we began to remodel the house. And at first, it seemed like a small project, should take a couple weeks. And eventually, it became every surface of our home was touched. All the floors had to be changed. We had popcorn ceiling everywhere, so we took all that off. That makes a total mess. And my dad and I were such great carpenters. The first day of, within hours of actually owning our home, we went in to tear out the bathroom and knocked the water loose and water sprayed everywhere for 15 minutes because we couldn't find the water main. Anyway. You should look for that before you begin remodeling your home. If you've experienced something like this, you know exactly the kind of feeling that Paul is having. And for my wife and I, when we were remodeling our house, at some point in time in the midst of it, we looked around and we said, wow, this place is not what it was. But at the same instance, we looked and said, wow, but it's not what it's going to be. It's not yet arrived. The way Paul looks at his life is he realizes he has been obtained by God. He, he, he is surrendered to Jesus Christ and a lot has happened in his life, but he's not yet finished yet. 
And many of you in this room, that is the way that we need to begin to see our life. That is the chief lens that we should look through. As a follower of Jesus, you have been obtained by God. You're hopefully living your life under the reign and rule of Jesus Christ. And maybe God's done a ton in your life, but guess what? You've not arrived yet. You're not finished yet. And praise God. Praise God I'm not finished yet. There's a lot of work to be done. This is the way that Paul looks at his life. This is the lens that he offers us in Philippians chapter 3. Then he says this. He looks at three main aspects of his life. And the first is the present assessment of his life in verse 13. He says, here's where I'm at. Here's what life is really like. I'm God's, but I'm not finished. It's the present, a sober self-assessment by Paul. But then he wrestles with two other aspects of his life. First, he wrestles with his past. He's like, forgetting what is behind me. But then he focuses on his future, but striding toward what's ahead, toward the goal to which I'm called heavenward through Christ Jesus. If we can flip the lens on our life, I believe we can experience joy in the present time right here and right now by handling our past and our future in a way that would allow us to enjoy it right now, the way Paul does. I've had conversations with many people in my life who have struggled with saying, listen, I just don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm enjoying the present circumstance that I'm in right now. You know, whether you're young here this morning, whether you're older here this morning, you're rich or you're poor, no matter where you come from, this is a struggle that we all go through. Being able to enjoy what's happening right now within the midst of our life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I think it has everything to do with how we handle our past and our future and the way Paul talks about it. The what I've experienced in my life is when we're miserable in our present and when we're afraid of our future, we long for the past. When we're miserable in our present, when we're afraid of our future, we long for the past. I've experienced this in my life. You know, there was like a relationship I had in high school, and it ended. And it was not good, but it was done. And so I moved on. But somewhere years later, I found myself thinking, you know what? If I just had that back, you know, then things would be good. Then I could be happy. Then I could be joyful. Or maybe you had this job, and it was not a good job. And so you got rid of that job, and you started this new job. And once you got into this job, one day you're sitting at your desk, and you think, you know what? I just don't even like this job. But if I had that job again, then things would be good. Then things would be good. Truth is, you wouldn't be happy anyway. That job stunk too. Or maybe you're, you're newly an empty nester, and you're looking at each other across the table like, what do we do now? And somewhere in your heart you're thinking, man, if the kids were just back in the house, that'd be so great, that'd be so good, that'd be happy, that'd be joyful. Maybe you just retired. You've been retired for a while, but some of you are like, I just feel like I, I want to be doing something again. You know? Or maybe some of you are like, no, I have no problem being retired, it's all good. But the truth is, in our life, too often, when we are miserable in the, the present, in our circumstances that we're in right now, whenever we're afraid of what's to come, here's what we go to. If I just had this again, if I had something from my past that I could be familiar with or I could grab hold of, if I could just get there, then things would be good. And the truth is, when you would get there, you wouldn't be happy either. That's not where it's found. And here's why. You cannot compare your present circumstances to some kind of past memory because it's skewed in every kind of way. You're going to remember that past as something better than it actually was. Or you're going to remember it worse than it actually was. You can't compare it. When we get into that kind of mode, we miss out. We rob ourselves of the present that we have right here and right now. My wife and I, we know what this feels like. As our boys get older, we're like, oh, I just want them to be babies again. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we don't. There's something to be said about being able to live into every season of our life. 
as difficult as it might be. I remember graduating college and just being like, oh, if I could just go back there. I remember becoming parents of like, oh, man, if we just go back to when we didn't have kids in the house. You know what it's like? You've experienced it probably in some kind of way in your life too. Longing for the past. But when we long for the past too often, we don't experience the present. We rob ourselves of the gift that is the here and the now. We have to engage with our past, but in a specific kind of way, with extreme care. We can't dwell on our past and just long for something that once was. But at the same time, we can't forget about our past. There have been things that we have learned from our past that we've got to take with us, that have shaped us and molded us in some kind of way, but at the same time, we can dwell so much on what has happened that we don't move forward. There's a student from our youth program years ago who's graduated now, and occasionally we still speak and spend time with each other, and there was something that happened in high school, a relationship that was broken apart, and it was really, really painful. And ever since that moment, it's almost like he's become paralyzed at that moment. Because of the pain, because of the scars, because of the difficulties, and it's kept him from moving forward into the present right here and what God's trying to do right now. And you can just see him wrestle. He plays these tapes in his head over what could have been, what could have been. And maybe in the room you know exactly what that feels like because you've done the same thing. Something's happened, and you, you run that tape. What could I have done differently? How could this have changed? What would I feel like now if it was then? You can't do that to yourself. It's happened, and you can't change it. It's the past. Don't dwell on it, but don't forget it. All throughout Scripture, there are times where God speaks often about remembering things. He even tells the Israelite people multiple times to take these stones, make an altar, so that when people come later on, they see these stones stacked, they would say, what happened here? And people would be able to say, God moved in our life right here. In the midst of the good, in the midst of the bad and the painful, in the midst of the ugly, we can still remember what God has done and take it with us. Don't dwell, but don't forget. The same is true on the flip side. You know, when we're ashamed of our past and we're miserable in our present, we crave the future. It's a dangerous balance. And when we are ashamed of our past, we're miserable in our present, we crave the future. For much of my life, I was really ashamed of my history. I was ashamed of who I once was. I was ashamed of things that had happened in my life in previous years. And from that shame, I kept, it kept me from really living into the, the present that God had for me. I've come across many people in 11 years of ministry who do not move forward, who don't live in the present right now because they're living somewhere in the past because they're ashamed of it. And they're holding on to it. That's not the good news of the gospel. The gospel says it is what it is, but you can move forward. You can't change it, but you can be forgiven. You can't change it, but you can forgive. And so rather than actually heal and move forward, too often we hold on to it, hoping for joy, but the truth is it won't come from holding on to that shame or craving the future. We've got to be able to interact with our future in the same kind of way. We, we can't worry about it, but at the same time we can't settle. We can't worry about our future, hoping for the joy that might come, and we can't settle either. My son Eli, who's in the room, is the coolest little boy. And when he started kindergarten, he was very, very nervous about kindergarten. It was a new experience, new school. And um, he was nervous because he was afraid that he wouldn't be able to find his classroom every, every day. So almost every night we had the same conversation. He would come to us and be like, Mom, Dad, what if I can't find my classroom tomorrow? I'd say, Eli, you found it yesterday. You found it today. You will find it tomorrow. And so at home, we even talked about, like, listen, here's the map of your, of your classroom. Okay, you're going to go down this hallway. You're going to turn here. So when I would take him to school, we even had a little, a little hand motion that we do to this day. When he gets in there, he goes, like, yes. 
just to make sure that he knows. And my favorite thing is every day when I drop him off, I watch, watch him walk through the glass doors, and he goes to the first teacher that he sees in the hallway. With his hand in his hair, he's kind of like, hey, how do I get to my classroom? And of course, they're so nice at Lake Murray Elementary, and they take him to his classroom. He's so worried. And I would love to say that as a kid, I wasn't worried, but I was. I was full of anxiety, full of worry of all kinds. And sometimes today, I still am too. But here's what's so interesting to me. Why do we worry about all these things? Because what is the percentage of the things that we worry about that actually never happen? And we give so much energy and so much time towards this worrying that things will finally work out. And the truth is we can't control it anyway. And yet we worry. We have anxiety. Instead, what we have to do is we can't settle. We can't worry about the future, but at the same time, we cannot settle for just any kind of future. We've, we've got to strive on for the kind of future that God has for us. As Paul says, pressing on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Don't settle. Our son Eli, the same little boy, when we go to sleep at night, if you ask him, if you ask Eli, who are you? He would respond by saying, I'm brave, I'm honest, I'm loyal. I love people, I love God. We have drilled that in his head for years because it's so easy to settle for the person that you could become. Well, I guess I'll just do that. I mean, as students, you know what this is like. There's so much peer pressure to do this or do that, and you just settle. Well, I guess it's just what it is. It's not what it is. For too many of us, we're sitting in these pews today, and we have settled on the future that we believe will come to us no matter what. You don't have to settle. I want my son to know that he is brave, he is honest, and he is loyal. And that would be the thing that he, he, he really has the trajectory of his life. No matter what anybody says, no, no, that's not who I am. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. Don't settle. When it comes to your future, do not worry and do not settle. I believe when we encounter our past and our present, our future in these kinds of ways, when we handle it in this kind of way, I believe we can experience the present right here and right now in the way that God has always intended for us. Every minute, every second, in a way that is full of potential. You know, I think mishandling our past and mishandling our future robs us of our present. What once was, what could be, it robs us of the here and now. Next Thursday is Thanksgiving. Can you believe it? Everybody's like, I'm not ready. We are not. I haven't even thought about it. But I'm excited about it. Next Thursday is Thanksgiving. And if you're anything like my household or my mother-in-law's household, when you have Thanksgiving, that means fine china. You know what I'm saying? Everything nice comes out. Now, seven years ago, we got married, and we had to have china. And so we have china at our house, and we've used it once. I see you smiling. We've used it once. Here's why. It's so delicate. And so I know when I go to my mother's house or my mother-in-law's house and it's time for Thanksgiving, whatever it is, and we bring out the fine china and you carry it to the table, what are they saying? Be very careful. In fact, they're like, Trevor, you don't even carry it. I'll take it for you. And we know this language. Be very, it's very delicate. It's very, very fragile. You have to be careful with this thing to eat on it one time. But I think the same is true when it comes to our past and when it comes to our future as well. It's delicate. It has to be handled in a certain kind of way because if we don't handle it in the way that's healthy for us, it will rob us of our present. It will steal every piece of joy that you could possibly encounter. Man, I don't know about you, but I want the best from my past, the things that I've learned, the ways that I've grown. I want the best from my future, what could possibly come, the hope that I have. You know, as they say, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. And it's true. I mean, it's super Pinteresty, but it's true. 
I've experienced this in my life. I can't change yesterday. I can't change what's happened. And I can't control my future. I can't control tomorrow. All I can do is control the right now and the way I respond and the lens at which I see the world. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16 says it this way. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Listen, we live in a a difficult world. It's tough. And for students who are growing up in this world, it's tough. For adults who are living in this world, it's tough. But Ephesians says, we have to live as wise, not as unwise. Understanding that we have only certain opportunities within our life. We've got to make the most of them. Living as wise, but not as unwise. If we teach anything to our students within our student program, here's what we're trying to drill into their head. You have to live with wisdom when it comes to your life. It's not cookie cutter. It's not black and white. It's very gray. But you've got to live with wisdom to choose how to make choices every single day. Andy Stanley says it this way within some of his books. He says, if I want to make the wise choice, I have to look at it based on my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams. What is the wisest choice today? So based on your past, what have you gone through? What have you learned? What have you struggled with? What have you succeeded in? May these be the things that guide you to make decisions right here in the present to find all the joy that God has for you. Maybe it's your current circumstances. What is reality for you today? Not what you hope would be true, but what is truly true. How do you take that and and make decisions based upon that with a sober self-assessment of where you're at to make wise choices? And for our future hopes and dreams, who do you want to become What do you want to accomplish? Don't let your future be robbed. What has God called you to? Use that as a lens for which to make wise choices every single day. Redeem your past, but leverage your future. This is what I believe Paul tells us, the way Paul wants us to live. I believe our past and our future ought to bring focus to the gift that is today. Our past and our future ought to bring focus to the gift that is today. My grandfather has an iPhone. Anybody have an iPhone in here? Yeah, this is like new technology. So my grandfather has an iPhone, and he has tons of apps on it. He loves his apps. And I have loved watching my grandfather interact with, with this new technology. And so, um, you know, if we, if we have some kind of experience, some kind of things happening. Right now at my parents' farm, we're building a new fence and stuff. And so he's in town. It's been really, really fun. And I'm sure there's certain things that he wants to take pictures of. But a lot of times, when you're new to this kind of thing, you're taking a picture with your, with your cell phone, um, it doesn't quite turn out right. Maybe it's a little bit out of focus, or, you know, it takes 15 minutes to take the picture, and so eventually someone's not, not smiling anymore. They're, they're off the, the screen altogether. You know, sometimes I feel like we just need to sit down and say, Grandpa, here's, take, take your phone. Get, get everything in there just right. And, Grandpa, all you do is take your finger, and you touch the screen. And it focuses the whole thing. So you get a good picture. Just touch it right there. And if you do that, you can capture the moment, really, really capture the moment. I think, I think the same is true in our life. We have got to begin to have focus in our day-to-day, every single moment, every single second, every single minute, to fully embrace what God has for us. And I believe it comes from handling our past and handling our future in a way that God would want us to. Philippians chapter 3 ends by saying this in verse 15 and 16. Paul says, all of us then who are mature, that'd be nice, right? All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. 
This is the word view. This is the same word he uses throughout the entire book. It's about our mindset. It's about our lens. It's about the view through which we see the world. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Let us live up to what we have already attained. I'm afraid some of us this morning are looking for something. Some kind of hope. Some kind of meaning. Some kind of love. Some kind of acceptance. Some kind of something. In fact, all of us are looking for something. But too many of us were looking for it in places that it doesn't exist. Some kind of past thing or some kind of future thing. I believe that it exists right here and right now in the present. And Paul says it this way, what you're looking for, you've already got. It's the grace of Jesus Christ. It's his offering in your life. It's his presence in your life. It's not going to be found anywhere else. It's right here. It's this grace. When I was in college, I was really struggling with some of my past stuff. And um, for two years, my junior, my sophomore and junior year of, of college at CIU, I had been in a group with some other accountability folk, and I'd spent time with one of my mentors many, many times, and we'd have many conversations, and he'd ask me about different things and was really trying to kind of help me kind of walk this thing. And um, truth be told, every time for two years he'd ask me a question, I would lie to his face because I was really concerned that if I were to tell him the truth, would he accept me still? If I really told him the truth, would he really love me still? If I really told him the truth, would he be proud of me still? And I, I really wanted to make him proud. I really wanted to change the world, and I was afraid if I told the truth, I'd be discounted from that. But I'll never forget the day we're finally sitting under oak trees in these chairs like we always did. He asked me the same questions he'd always asked me. I know he knew I was lying to him the whole time. But he asked me the same questions one more time. And I remember for the first time I decided I was going to tell him the truth, like what was really going on. So he asked me, and I said, all right, you want to know? Here's, here's what's real. And so I confessed a lot of things, and I told him what was really going on, the way I really felt. I'll never forget after launching into all of that and laying all of that out, he looked at me and he said, Trevor, I love you just as much now as I did five minutes ago. I'll never forget it because it changed the way that I view the world. There I go, Josh, I'm crying now. I remember it because it changed the way that I viewed the world. Because for so long I was shackled by my shame, I was shackled by my past. And just hearing one person tell me, listen, you are who you really are, I still love you. I still accept you. And, and this doesn't have to own you. You can move on. That changed everything. And if you know nothing this morning, know this, that your past doesn't have to own you. And your future doesn't have to paralyze you. You can live right here, right now, in the present, by the grace of Jesus Christ. You've already obtained it. You don't have to grasp it. You don't have to try to find it. It's here. And it's yours. Psalm 90, verse 12 says it this way. I think this really brings everything into focus for me. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, teach us to number our days. Help us to know, God, that we don't have forever. Truth is, we're not promised tomorrow. All we have is now. The past doesn't exist anymore. The future doesn't even exist. All we have is this moment, this minute, this second. And what we have to do as believers is really flip the lens on our life so that we can experience joy and fulfillment through every single moment present right here, right now. We must see every minute as a gift. As a gift. Next Thursday, we're going to have Thanksgiving. And many of you are going to be sitting around tables with loved ones, with people you're tolerating. 
and eating food and spending time with one another, I want to encourage you, don't go into that experience with the lens of, of frustration. Because believe me, it's easy right now. I went to the Carolina game yesterday and heard a lot of conversation. And, and there are people right now that are really frustrated with a lot of things. Don't let that rob you of the moment. Don't let what could be or what could come rob you of what God is trying to do right now. I would encourage you, as you eat your stuffing, as you eat your turkey on Thursday, take to account all that God has given you, all the ways that he's given you grace, and enjoy the present. Take all of it in and experience joy. Would you pray with me? Would you just put your hands just like this, if you're willing? Would you pray with me? God, we come to you today, and I'll be the first one to confess, God, that I am, I am holding so much stuff that keeps me from experiencing true joy in your grace, Jesus. I'm holding so much shame and so much disappointment from the past, and God, I'm holding so much worry, so much frustration about the future, but God, I want you to know I want you to take it. I want it to be lifted off of me that I can truly enjoy the present. Help me to know, God, and see that I, I can't change the past. I'm not in control of the future. Only you are. Help me to do what I can do today, right here, right now. And God, I believe that only when you take these things from us and we have open hands, when the burden is gone, God, I believe that you can actually give us and we can receive from you the grace and the love and the acceptance and the purpose that you have for us. So, Father, would you take what we don't need and would you give us what we have to have in your grace. Help us to flip the lens in our life, God, that we might experience joy here and now and not someplace else. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.